Welcome everyone to the NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of October 21st, 2023. Here is what's making headlines. With Microsoft's Activision Blizzard acquisition done, what's next? Analog is making a 4K Nintendo 64. Roblox launch on PS5 a big hit, but how big? And Nintendo removes Switch announcement trailer, but hold steady. My name is Travis Sherman, and as always, for the Weekly News Roundup, I'm joined by Kyle Inman. Kyle, I, I struggled to introduce you there because I I had a bone to pick with you before we started recording, and I'm <laughs> going to put it on the record right now. Now, what's that? Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this because it's, uh, uh, you, you already know how I feel about this, but it's still, okay. For the audience, Kyle has reintroduced me to the world of Magic the Gathering <laughs> and was over at my house last night for about four hours. And in that span of about four hours, we ended up playing three different games of Magic against each other with, with different decks. I even spent the time digging through his boxes of cards, like hundreds of cards, maybe even at like the 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 thousand mark potentially with the number of them that are in there because they can pack all nice and neat. But I spent the time to build the deck. I lost with that deck, but it gave me some ideas on how I could potentially improve it when I can get my hands on those cards again and make those additional tweaks. But I have a bone to pick with Kyle because... Magic the Gathering is a very expensive hobby. I mean, Kyle, how much before you came over last before you came over last night or or at least in the span of you coming over last night and then you messaging me after? How much money did you spend on Magic the Gathering cards? It was in the span of maybe about 6 hours. How much did you spend? Uh, $120? Exactly. <laughs> I don't need another expensive hobby. I've got I've got the podcast that eats up my time. Uh, at least in the sense of of just news and editing stuff, and sure it's only a one day thing, but whatever. Um, it I've got Gundam models to build. I've got video games to play. I've got family to spend a time like time with. I don't have time for another expensive hobby. You know, I don't have time to put into any of this. However, I do currently have a a two deck starter kit for like eleven bucks sitting in my Amazon cart right now, just waiting for me to make a decision because I have no willpower in some cases. Shut up. I have no willpower in some cases and I I don't know. I'm I I will have to mull it over a little bit, I think. Well, I guess fortunately you do have a birthday coming up soon too. So Shut up. There, I know there's I always that. Stop. And I travel I'm traveling to Nashville for work here soon and I was already planning on visiting, like, when time allowed, I was going to go try to visit, like, a hobby shop nearby just to see, like, what gunpla I could potentially add to my backlog of, uh, let me scoop back here and look under my desk. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Gundam to work on right now. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I yeah, thought I had a problem sitting on three Gundams for, you know, eight months now. Yeah, this has probably been about maybe only four months or so, but... Needless to say, at least one of those Gundam 
are already built. I'm just going to be taking it apart, cleaning it up, getting decals applied, doing the uh, panel lining, and getting the weapons built. But that's that's all that one needs. Regardless, though, I was going to go look specifically for Gunplow when I was in Nashville when I'd be done with doing this this work-related stuff. And then now, with this magic stuff, I'm going to have to see, because there's a mall nearby where I'm going to be at, that I can go potentially find some sort of collectible shop and maybe walk out if I can bring myself to do it with a magic deck. I don't know. Yes. I don't need to be spending any more money on stuff like this. Well, I mean, that that or you know, your your kid always did, did leave his cards behind. You could always just tear apart his commander deck and build build your own uh classic deck. Probably could. Yeah, I don't know if I... for for I... for a starter anyway. And then once you once you have the fever, then you buy the uh, the the twin decks. Yeah, yeah, have the fever. Yeah, oh my gosh, it's like I, <laughs> it's like it's like Kyle has ground up, blended up, uh, Magic the Gathering cards, and is handing me a needle right now just to inject this into my arm and. Uh, yeah, I think the visual pretty well stands as it, exactly to what that would do. So, but it's fun. It's fun. I did enjoy playing these games last night and going through the cards and exploring stuff and relearning the rules because I hadn't played since like like late high school, early college. But needless to say, I oh my god. Anyway. I wanted to I wanted to put it on the record outside of just me talking to Kyle about it. I wanted to put it on the record on the podcast itself where we talk about video games that there is another game that I may end up having more time being eaten up by and I needed to call Kyle out for it because it, it might ruin me. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> oh my gosh, the people I associate with. Anyway, you are here not to listen about the plight of Magic the Gathering and me spending money on things and all that. You're here to listen to video game news. So let's hop right into it with this this follow-up now to the Microvision, uh, yeah, Microvision, Microsoft Activision Blizzard saga. Basically, we are done with that in the sense of all of the financial transaction stuff, all of the, the, the business dealings and things. It's all done. Activision Blizzard is now officially a part of Microsoft as of the previous week. However, a lot of the questions have been really what's next. And of course, a lot of the rumors swirling around Kyle, I think you've probably seen some of these is that mm. uh, people are like, Oh, we're going to have a surprise drop on game pass of all these old Activision Blizzard titles, or we're going to see, um, all of these Call of Duties appear, you know, and there's a lot of that. Well, Phil Spencer happened to drop in on the Xbox podcast, their, the official Xbox podcast, to talk about some of these things. And so I've got four different stories here, thanks to um, Video Games Chronicle, that kind of break these things down as to sort of what's happening next. And I'm not necessarily going to go in order here with these, Kyle, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start off here. I'll start off in our show notes with the third link there is talking about the uh, not to expect surprise Activision Blizzard Game Pass drops this year. Um, So what uh, Phil Spencer did say, um, or at least confirmed, is that there won't be any 
titles being added to Game Pass from Activision Blizzard's uh, catalog until next year. But it doesn't mean that as soon as it hits January 1st and the clock, you know, the clock rolls over there, that we're going to start seeing those titles appear. Um, I'm sure there's other things that need to occur anyway to make that happen. But needless to say, um, he says, I think that's accurate. I would love it if there was some kind of secret celebration drop that's coming in the next couple of weeks. There's not. Definitely when we think about the new games that there, uh, that are there, I would be straight with people, right? If we were going to put them in the subscription this year, I would tell people. And I know there will be some disappointment about that. This acquisition is definitely long-term. So the fact that we're not hitting day one with a bunch of games dropping into Game Pass is a little bit of a downer. But I'm very excited about the future. And I just want to be straight with people that that's where we are. And I think on the Game Pass part, that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. You know, it'd be nice to see like an Activision Blizzard title hit on Game Pass in some way, shape, or form. Like not necessarily the entire library, but maybe drop one. But the fact that the majority of titles, you know, you can really get into with relative ease anyway. I mean, like uh, Warzone's accessible without needing to have Game Pass or anything like that. Overwatch 2 is as well. Uh, Diablo, uh, this weekend that we're recording here, uh, they are having a free 10-hour period uh, to play Diablo 4, which you can actually make a pretty good amount of progress in 10 hours on Diablo 4. Um, so you can get a free weekend with that and you do retain your experience and your saves and such, um, up until at least, you know, you or uh, for when you buy the game, if you choose to. So uh, there is stuff out there at least that you can do, but needless to say, um, you know, I think the rumor mill was definitely way too out there. I think everybody was huffing a little bit of something, assuming we were going to see Activision Blizzard titles hitting game pass pretty quick. Yeah, I, I honestly have a prediction for this one. Um, what? And, well, and you know about how half of my predictions end up. <laughs> Unfortunately, they come true. Uh, but, so, I could see the next Call of Duty uh, potentially hitting Game Pass, not necessarily day one, but by December, or um, I, I'd say January 1st. Um as for the rest of the games hitting Game Pass, I think we'll see a slow trickle in at the beginning beginning of the year. But my prediction is because uh, both Blizzard and Microsoft's fiscal years end in the summer, we probably won't see anything until the end of June or July. Well, it won't necessarily matter for Activision Blizzard because they they don't exist in the public space anymore like true that. They, they exist in they're under microsoft now so there's there's nothing like that that could affect but you are right i mean there is that possibility that it may take up until summer for that stuff to actually hit but yeah. i suspect more like early spring like i'm thinking like maybe late february early march see and i'm thinking probably i when we see the full rollout um of potentially the majority, um, if not all, of the Activision Blizzard games hitting uh, Game Pass, you're probably looking at maybe June 1st or sometime in June. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see what, what comes to fruition with this then between these. So, okay. So, I'm thinking spring, or at least very early spring, late winter. So, February, March. You're thinking basically the start of summer. Yeah, start of summer. Fair enough. Um. 
in other news, though, especially with with games and that, we all know that Activision Blizzard's catalog is massive. I mean, obviously, of course, with what Blizzard has, but Activision is not just a Call of Duty shop. They were responsible for a lot of games that, funny enough, were uh, namesake titles for Xbox's competitor PlayStation. You're talking like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. And then, of course, you got other titles that were uh, cross-platform, like Pro Skater, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and Guitar Hero. Um, one of the things, of course, is that Bobby Kotick did drop a, a a letter there after the acquisition was basically done, talking about something with revitalizing Guitar Hero, which is cool. But there's not been any sort of official news on anything going on with that other than his mention that way. Um, and so in that same podcast, of course, uh, the Xbox podcast, Phil Spencer's talking about it. Um, what he says is that I feel that we have to be a great custodian for the content that we touch. These are memories from people on different platforms, different decades. And I want to be sure that what, uh, that when we're going back and visiting something that we do it with our complete ability, a motivated team that wants to go work on something and make a difference, not just create something for financial gain or create something for a PR announcement and not deliver on the product. So that's one of the big things is that we're not going to see Microsoft basically throw down the hammer and says, hey, you guys over here at Activision, this development group, you guys were responsible for Crash. Let's get Crash going again. Hey, you guys responsible for Spyro. You need to start working on Spyro. Hey, you guys that worked on Guitar Hero here, you need to start working on Guitar Hero. We're not seeing them lay down the hammer for a lot of these things to kick off. And and Phil Spencer has been pretty adamant about this since day one, that he would love to revitalize a lot of these games and start to bring things back, but he doesn't want it to be a forced effort. He really knows what the passion is from the community and wants to follow through and do a good job. Yeah, and I just hope that the... Uh... I, I guess the developers themselves um, have the ambition to actually go go after those pro- projects again, um, especially after being basically forced and and shoehorned into uh, working on Call of Duty continuously for the past what six years now. Um, as it feels like even have, longer than that. Really. Yeah, slowly trickled away from from Activision's, you know, sidebar companies to being you work on Call of Duty now. Toys for Bob, uh you don't you don't do Spyro and and Crash anymore. You work on Call of Duty now. You know, it it doesn't make any sense and I I really hope that um really hope that those developers and and the the publishers that were originally behind those games that that are under the Activision Blizzard umbrella um, are able to to go forth and and come out with new titles again. Maybe we could see that um, fabled Tony Hawk three four that we were supposed to get. You know uh, what was it two years ago? Um, I I would love to see a new Guitar Hero game uh, that that didn't have you know the the wonky new guitars and need to be connected online regardless if you were just trying to play one set list. You know. Let let let's get back to the basics here. Yeah, I think so too. And I think like I actually had a discussion with a coworker about this about uh Guitar Hero, for example, and thinking about how the the guitar itself was really specific to each console. You mm-hmm. had like the Wii version where you could dock the Wii mode into it and then you could play 
Um, you had the PlayStation version, which I think might have run over Bluetooth um, or even may have been a physical USB connection. And I think the Xbox one may have been in that same position where it was, you know, either using the Xbox wireless functionality or the, the USB connection in. Now, what I'm thinking, though, is that you would end up actually seeing more of probably a universal standard on a controller that it says you can go buy the copy of the game here for the for the console you want. But the controller itself is going to be universal in the sense that it will be it will carry both Bluetooth to connect up to, say, like the switch, the the switches, um, the next switch that's coming out, the PlayStation 5. And then, of course, whatever the wireless is for the Xbox or right. use potentially the Xbox controller as sort of the bridge, like using Bluetooth on the Xbox controller to talk to the guitar, which then that control the xbox controller acts as a gateway to the xbox itself you know like Mm -hmm. i was talking about things like that so that way you're not spending all of this money on having to buy a different guitar for each different console yeah and well you know you think about it especially now that all the consoles do have the bluetooth tech um there there are controllers except the xbox well technically the the Xbox does not have Bluetooth in it. The only thing that has Bluetooth is the oh, controller. Oh, you're right. You're the right. Xbox still uses a yeah. proprietary wireless function. It does That's just it. have that wireless function. So I've I mean, tried. Really and truly, a company could put out uh, basically a guitar, guitar controller. And this is this is very much a 8-bit do way of thinking, I guess. But put out a guitar controller with the uh, 2.4 gigahertz wireless connector that is compatible with all the devices. Granted, you you might have to play it with a Switch docked, but maybe you can include the Bluetooth functionality just on there. Bluetooth anymore is actually kind of cheap to produce on-board stuff. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. But but anyway, um, I know we kind of got off there on like the Guitar Hero controller stuff, but it was more of just kind of thinking that kind of expanding further at least on like what Phil was saying is that there's not going to be a big push on the developers of these classics of these games that people are like oh I'd love to see more of these you know he's leaving it up to the devs to say and go to him and be like we would like to we're going to start working on this we're going to start doing this he wants that passion to basically come from within I'm sure that there's going to be some management changes and some other uh, functional changes as it relates to the way that Call of Duty is developed. But at the end of all of it, he's going to leave it up to the devs to say they want to work on a new Crash, a new Spyro, a new Guitar Hero, whatever, you know, down the line, and, and leave that to them, which is cool. So I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I'm I'm good with with waiting on all of that to sort itself out. Um Moving on to other stuff, though, he talked about is that, uh, of course, one of the things that Microsoft was really looking at with the purchase of Activision Blizzard was the mobile segment and how that could be leveraged for Microsoft, or at least the Xbox part, breaking into mobile more than it has now. And, of course, Activision Blizzard's been successful with Call of Duty Mobile, uh, the king portion of ABK has been successful, of course, with Candy Crush. Hearthstone. But, yeah, and so, and or yeah, you could put in there with Blizzard with Hearthstone. Um, but the key thing, of course, though, is that 
Um, oh, and I guess if you mentioned Diablo Immortal for Blizzard as well. Yeah. But the other, I know, the other thing, though, too, <laughs> is that um, Phil Spencer wanted to make it clear that even though there's a lot of stuff looking at mobile, this isn't an effort for them to go and take every Microsoft game and put it onto a mobile device. So not like you're not going to see anything like a Halo mobile game, other than I know that there was like that Halo Spartan Assault game that came out. And uh, like, I know you can play it on Xbox now with uh, Game Pass and such too. Um, but there was like Halo Spartan Assault, which you could play in a in a mobile form, but you had to use like the, the Microsoft Surface tablet to really do it. Um, uh, but there's, it's not like we're going to get a Gears of War mobile. We're not going to get a Forza mobile which all of those would be cool, but it's not like every single franchise is going to turn into every, like is going to get a mobile component in some form. And he goes on really to, you know, to say that um, he goes to say the games are different. The business models are different. The whole dynamic of how you distribute, uh, how you find games is different. Uh, so when I was looking at that, I needed to find a team that had amazing success for, our, for us to learn from. So we literally just, Amy Hood, who's the CFO of Microsoft, and I went through a list of who are the most accomplished publishers in the mobile space. And most people wouldn't have expected it, I think I didn't, that Activision would have been as high. With the King work, as well as the Call of Duty mobile work, Warzone stuff that they've been doing, Diablo Immortal. So he, he talks about a lot of that, that, you know, that the effort was to get someone with that experience and bring that in as well as rolling in all of these franchises, but to also really emphasize that this doesn't mean that everything's going mobile. I think it's more of just to help build out the mobile ecosystem as a whole to, I guess, further leverage the bridge that they're already building now with, uh, with game pass and cloud streaming and, and such. Yeah, I, I don't know. When when you talk about it in that way, it seems a bit weird, especially when they already have Game Pass. But, I mean, maybe it does make sense. I I, I don't know. Um, But really and truly, when it comes down to just cash alone, I mean, to generate new revenue, to, to expand on a different market, um, when you look at it, yeah, Game Pass, uh, Game Pass Ultimate, or uh, specifically the X Cloud is nice, but it's a bonus feature to having, you know, Game Pass or Game Pass Ultimate. It, it's mm-hmm. it's not necessarily them breaking into the mobile market because they're not necessarily gaining any profit specifically tailored to that. Unless you know you have there, there's probably a small portion of people that play specifically on that, especially if they all they have access to is maybe their Samsung TV to go through. Uh, to play Game Pass and their their cell phone, but mm, yeah, with the expansion of you know the the mobile market with King and with Call of Duty Mobile, that that is a big push into that that I I guess mobile uh revenue generating market um that that Microsoft hasn't really necessarily been part of. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um. But I can't, I can't really think of anything else to add to that one there. But, I mean, that's a very good point. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, don't expect to see, like, a Halo mobile, a Gears mobile, a Forza mobile, whatever, down the line here now. I would you love know, at least to in see the very Gears near Pop future. come back, though. 
Uh, I guess, I mean, there is that, too. Yeah, uh, Gears Pop was but, just fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that. Um, the last little bit, though, here, at least for people to be aware of, though, is, um, of course, Call of Duty. God, I mean, I think we talk so much about Call of Duty anyway with Acti- with the Activision Blizzard acquisition because it was the center of a lot of things. Like, I mean, that was why Sony was fighting it so hard. Um, it's why, like, the FTC was doing what they were doing to fight mm-hmm. it as well, too, talking about how it would affect Call of Duty and that. Well, Phil Spencer's gone on the record here, and he's been pretty true to his word on a lot of these things to make sure that people understand what's happening with Call of Duty. And the biggest thing that he's gone and said that he is working to create 100% parity across every platform that Call of Duty is on. And here's what he said uh, and explained it, or exactly how he explained it. For Call of Duty players on PlayStation and in the future Nintendo, I want you to feel 100% a part of the community. I don't want you to feel like there's content you're missing out Uh, skins you're missing out, there's timing that you're missing out on, that's not the goal. The goal is 100% parity across all platforms as much as we can for launch and content. I say, quote-unquote, as much as we can on parity because clearly some platforms have resolution and frame rate differences just based on performance, but there's nothing else. And then, of course, he uh, goes on to clarify, at least here, he says, we've been on the other side of some of the skin deals, and even this Modern Warfare 3 beta wasn't on Xbox in the first week. I don't think that helps the community. I don't think that helps the game. So it's the focus. If you're a PlayStation player, a Nintendo player, a PC player, or an Xbox console player, I want you to feel 100% part of the Call of Duty nation. So he's made it clear that a lot of these timed exclusive things that you've seen where Activision has basically worked with PlayStation to set up these timed exclusives, that's not happening anymore. We're not going to be seeing any more of that. Now it's going to be a fair deal across the board for every platform. And I appreciate that because it Call of Duty being like the biggest title that's played on uh on PlayStation right like as one of the big titles being played on PlayStation right now um it, sure it might kind of put them at a disadvantage in some way or another but it really doesn't because everybody gets access to the same things at the same time and i think that just will make it better for the community but i also think that will maybe help to get rid of some of these timed exclusive things though too like on from other things like we've seen what's been going on with like Final Fantasy and the way Square Enix treats stuff with PlayStation. Um, that's really the big one that comes across like in my head. But maybe there's another one I'm thinking of, Kyle. But I think it really does help mm-hmm. on that time exclusive part, maybe to show that it's like it's like, guys, if you want people to be able to play your game, don't don't box them out like this. Yeah, that that's like really being a gamer first. I mean, Give, giving everyone the, the same advantage, putting everyone on the same playing field, um, allowing everyone to, to buy the same uh, pay-to-win skin at the same time rather than, you know, get exactly. it a month early and then mop the floor with, you know, PlayStation players or um, PC players or, you know, whatever. It it, it doesn't matter. It it shouldn't be that way. It should just be fair across the board. Pe- people, if they want the content, they shouldn't have to go out and buy multiple copies of the game. Because really and truly, most exactly. people, if they want to play it on multiple consoles, I'm one of them, 
they're going to go out and buy multiple copies regardless. So why force them to do it? Get, just make it fair across the board. Yeah, like give them the choice. Don't box them into having to do something like that. Exactly. Right. So I like that. I'm actually very grateful that he's gone on the record for it. Now it's it's put up or shut up really is the is the next big thing is like yeah. really show us that you're going to follow through on that. Agreed. You know, I know there's already been deals in place and such with with Activision and Sony to be able to do some of these timed exclusive things. And I got to imagine that there's stuff set up for the upcoming Modern Warfare 3 release that mm-hmm. uh, will still carry on. But after that, I imagine that's got to be it. Maybe. I imagine yeah. that this is the last bit of timed exclusive we're going to see. Uh, yeah, probably. I would imagine so. Especially, you know, with the way he he's talking. Unless something just totally bizarrely changes, which I, I don't see happening. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think this is the end of the timed exclusives at this point. Good. At least for, for Call of Duty and from anything Blizzard Activision. Good. Agreed. Thank God for that. Now, I'm making it clear here and now, Kyle, I am done talking about the Microsoft Activision Blizzard King acquisition stuff. I'm hoping for a while because it has absorbed the news so much over the last couple years that I'm tired of talking about it. I'm hoping that where we're at now is just things moving forward as we'd like them to. You know, at least in respect to releases and and new console stuff and that, you know, let the Switch dominate a little bit more like with Switch 2 rumors and stuff, okay? Let me have that for a while. I don't want to talk about Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition stuff anymore. I want this to be the end of it for a while. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Well, let's get out of that. We're done there, and we're moving on to the next story here, and that is about uh, retro console maker Analog. So Analog, of course, is very well known for the Analog Pocket, which is a Game Boy-sized handheld that can play Game Boy games uh, that includes Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games, uh, but can also play other portable titles, too. They have gone ahead and jumped into the fray. They've released other retro consoles, too. Uh, things to play like uh, Sega games, uh, Nintendo games, uh, even like older, like other not so popular consoles like the Atari Jaguar and that too. Mm-hmm. But they have now jumped in and announced that they are going to be making a 4K Nintendo 64. And as it stands right now, it's going to be launching next year. It's going to have 100% compatibility with all Nintendo 64 cartridges in every region will do the 4K output and will have original display modes. Here's what they say. Featuring reference quality recreations of specific model CRTs and PVMs. And then, of course, it'll have Bluetooth support and four controller ports. So good for them, I suppose. Um, the one thing that yeah. I, I love about the, the fact that they're um, literally recreating the hardware is the fact that um, aside from the the ability to switch the different resolution modes and stuff, if you're playing on it with the original resolution mode, you know, in the U.S. mode or in um, 
in PAL, so I guess in NTSC or if you're playing in PAL, uh, if you're playing a game like James Bond, when you set off 10 mines, the game is going to drop to four frames. So they're they're faithfully create, recreating the uh, console fully. Mm-hmm. They, yes, they absolutely are. And one of the big things that um, they've really made clear about this, though, is is truly... That yeah, it is. Is that it is built in house that they are trying to replicate the Nintendo sixty four experience that we grew up with as kids mm-hmm. um, by building this using just like what they've done with the rest of their emulation environment using uh, uh, FPGA to engineer this field programmable uh, gate array. I think is the name of the actual chipset. Um, that sounds. But they are working. Yeah, correct. they are working on it. Uh, the name of the console itself that they've given it is the Analog three D. That's what it's called. And the actual logo that they've come up with, it gives vibes of the Nintendo 64 uh, kind of cube logo of the N and that. But obviously, of course, for them, it's just a very colorful cube. Um, <laughs> right now, the release date is just specifically 2024. The only things that they've shown off so far about this um, is a um, is a tease of what appears to be the front of the console, which it looks like the uh, original flip power switch or the slide power switch that we had there on the N64. Um, And then, of course, it looks like they are partnering with 8-Bit Do to actually launch a specific controller for it, too, which in the picture itself that's come up does look pretty good, but it's not going to be a Nintendo 64 controller in the sense of what we know, you know, the the um the three grips and and whatnot no this is going to be shaped more like your standard controller really right which hey i'm good with that i'm fine with that good for them uh but yeah at this time i mean kyle you're a retro you're a retro enthusiast i mean this Mm -hmm. this is a pretty big thing because the n64 stuff that's released on the switch has been good but it's not that I guess for purists in that of the retro gaming environment, it's not that full fledged experience that they were hoping to get like they right. would with a, a Nintendo 64. Yeah, no. And honestly, there, there's so much more that they could put on there that, but I, I, I guess anyone would say that if they were a fan of the 64 back in the day, they, they everyone's going to have their one game, you know, there's always going to be someone that's like, oh, Wave Racer, you know, and then the one crazy person that's like, Monopoly. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I haven't fiddled around a whole heck of a lot. I think I've played I, like maybe two games on the 64, honestly, on, on the Switch. Um, but I, I don't know, something like this with... With the fact that, you know, it's so hard to get um, a classic hardware, especially with the uh, with the expansion card. Um, and not only that, in, in decent enough condition, good classic controllers or, you know, there, there are companies now that are coming out with better uh, controllers that that are up to the standard or close to the standard of the original Nintendo controllers, but th- there's always just some sort of hitch. That and the fact that if you want to play a uh, PAL game or or a, 
Japanese game, you have to have either a hacked system or you have to have the PAL or or the Japanese version of the console in order to play those. I'm I'm fairly certain if I remember correct. So I don't remember immediately. Yeah. Um. And, and th- there's just lots of huh. things that um with the 64 that make it really nice, especially with the fact that 64 is one that, that has shot up in price uh, multiple times in the past already. Right now we're going through it with GameCube, but that's not that. Yeah. And that that's not to say that it's not going to happen with 64 again, because people do search for the cartridges. Let's face it. Cartridges for some reason, they, they just hold their value a lot better than discs because those discs can be, you know, digitized or, you know, the code can be found still. Mm-hmm. A lot of the cartridges, what's out there is out there. Yeah. Huh. So, I don't know. Um, I, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, I'm excited to see the cost. But being as it, it is an analog pocket, if it's something that you're very interested in, I would definitely keep my ear to the ground on pre-orders um, because they, they won't last long. And knowing how fast the analog pockets are or have been, you know, out and, you know, how far out the waiting period is uh, to get your pre-order, even currently after, what, two years or a year and a half of being out, um, I would definitely get a pre-order in as soon as possible on this thing because I think it's going to sell like hotcakes. Oh, I think so too. I really do. So yeah, get your like as soon as that pre-order drops. If you're a purist when it comes to these things, or at least as close to a purist as you can be without going and buying an original Nintendo 64, this is your best option, I guess. Yeah, and the fact that it's got all the stuff on board that you would have to buy a separate deck to be able to adjust, you know, with the uh I guess the aspect ratio and the fidelity and um the the classic modes and everything that you would actually have to typically buy a separate deck that could cost anywhere from 60 to a $160 just to play your games in the appropriate aspect in the appropriate manner on a modern TV. Whereas this can be tuned all on the system. So there's that other key advantage. Mm hmm. Hmm. Well, then, I guess as time goes on, then we'll have to wait and see when that release date drops and maybe Kyle will go spend more money on another. Yeah, probably. <laughs> there we go. Yep. See, called it. Now, let's carry on to some other news here, talking specifically about a game that my kid, uh, according to Discord here right now, is currently playing and basically plays every single day of his life uh, now is Roblox. So, of course, Roblox just recently launched on the PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. And um, it is having, well, it actually is PlayStation 4 as well. And it is having by far the best possible time ever on the PlayStation console. Uh, more specifically, uh, it has been uh, posted by um, Matt Piscatella. He's the executive director and leading analyst at Circana, which is with the NPD group. The NPD group, of course, does measurements on uh, popularity and usage of different things all out there, not even just in tech, but also in uh, print media as well. Uh, but they went on and said, 
Uh, he went and said that Roblox ranked third in percentage of PlayStation players that played the title at least once, and that it was during its um, that was during its launch week on the PlayStation, and it was only trailing Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two and Fortnite. Now, wow, Roblox has been pretty popular for a while now, anyway, and this just opened up the gateway for those who want to play Roblox, I guess, on their PlayStation when maybe they don't have another way to play it. It is on mobile. You can play it on your phone if you want and have relatively the same experience, depending on what you play. Um, but for those families who have only PlayStation consoles, now their kids have a way to play this game, and it definitely bumped that up there. Um, it's not really much of a shock, though, is it, Kyle? I mean, Roblox is very popular still. And has been for, like I said, many years. Well, I mean, this is expected. Yeah, th- there's there's also the fact that uh, Roblox is is one of those things. It's hung around for how long now? Um, I I know back it was around back when I worked at GameStop. Uh, even when I started at GameStop, it there there was Roblox stuff, Roblox cards or something that were available, and. There's even developers now that, you know, they, they grew up playing Roblox. They learned to program in Roblox. And now they're they're developing games that don't even look like Roblox games. They look like games that were developed on, you know, Unreal Engine with, you know, full ray tracing. And if you were told it was developed in the, the Roblox engine, you'd, you'd probably crap your pants. But it, it's happening. And, you know, there there's all these kids that, they they grew up playing it and now that they, they either still play it as adults and or they program for it and it was actually their their stepping stone into uh programming or you know gaming as as a whole yeah that's actually a very good point is that developing for things in Roblox seems to actually be a heck of a lot easier than it is for, say, like trying to develop anything using like Minecraft, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are like game creators that you can get out there software wise for free or um, or even like pay for and download through Steam. And then, of course, you can also download like Unreal Engine or Unity or what have you and do development and stuff like that. But obviously, those are a different skill level higher than what it takes to do stuff there in Roblox. And Roblox, of course, having its own microeconomy with the sense of people being able to develop stuff in there and then sell it, and that even includes kids as well being able to do it. Um, yeah, it's definitely not a surprise then to see this up there at all. Mm-hmm. And it just means that it's opening up that ability to play that game with more, um, I guess, with, with more people. You know, uh, at the end of the day, that's going to be the big part. I mean, I guess apparently, like, to give you a number here, to give you an idea, perspective on this, Kyle, of how many people are actually playing this, according to the official Roblox account, and of course, they always, every company does this. We don't get a a a very straight number, but the Roblox account on X went and said on September 15th that there are 65 million people who play Roblox daily. That's insane. 65 million who play that daily. Like, I can't think of, like, I I know, of course, like, they list Fortnite and um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 on here, like, specifically for PlayStation being higher. But 
that just is astounding to think. And that makes me think that that number is actually pretty accurate across literally every platform, at least. And that those other two games, Modern Warfare 2 and Fortnite, also rank up that high across every platform around the world, though, too. You know, I know you've got your big communities in in other games, but those are the ones that keep sucking people in. Yeah. And yeah. So kudos to them to be able to see those metrics. But the question is, is how long are those metrics going to continue? Or is it just more of, um, is it just going to be more of, uh, like based on here is that it's at that high number there or that, that in third place, because it's, uh, the number of PlayStation players that played the title at least once. That's not on repeat. So is the question is, can that number sustain itself, though? Yeah. Or keep that I, place? Can that place sustain itself? And I, I think when you phrase it that way, it definitely sounds like it, it's not necessarily a sustainable number that perhaps, you know, maybe that that was a stretch because it is people that have played it once on the console. And who's to say that so many of those are going to be returning players? Who's to say, you know, out of that percentage, how many players are going to spend money on the game? But regardless, I mean, network traffic is technically revenue. So when it when it comes down to brass tacks, they're they're still making money by by having people attend just once and talk about their experience because they're they're still having people spread the the good word of Roblox. <laughs> Yes, they really are. Yeah. Yes. All even right. if they don't know they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, even if they don't know. Well, let's move into the last story we have in the news for the week. And this one is talking about the Nintendo Switch, but specifically, and I want everyone to hold their horses here, just 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 hold back for a second. The original Switch reveal trailer that Nintendo put up on their official channel on YouTube is gone. Okay? And that has got the rumor mill a buzz with potentials for another trailer to release that might showcase the the successor to the Switch and it's uh you know there's been talk it's like oh it's because of search engine optimization that they're going to they're getting rid of this one so that way when people go and search for something this video will be what's at the top of the list. However, I want everybody to Hold on, because there's probably a better reason for this here. And I'm looking at this here from Nintendo Life, and I agree with this. It's most likely been removed, or at least been removed from public view. It's been put into private because of a music licensing issue. Simple enough, Kyle. Well, I mean, it makes sense. When when we're talking Nintendo the people that want to go after everyone for any sort of licensing thing. If, if one licensing thing goes wrong, I doubt they're going to keep that video up or, you know, keep, keep anything around. So yeah, all, all the, the keyboard commandos can, can stop typing their, their nasty, you know, tweets about, why hasn't Nintendo put out anything, any trailer for the, the switch Two? it, it's probably been taken down because Nintendo is that they have ninjas that search for copyright stuff and they just want to avoid any copyright 
infringement or you know copyright uh claims themselves so i imagine that that's probably what it was very possible but here is what the article says right now okay i'm gonna i'm gonna read this off here and then move on to the next bit as well it says the trailer's backing track called ha 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 yeah by white denim is a song that as reddit user they call me radic points out appears to be in some legal trouble after the track's initial distributors were recently taken over by another company Questions about the song's true owner are usually reason enough for a video such as this to be taken down, and there is every chance that we have seen exactly that in this instance. But here's what they go on to say. But what if there's another reason? Carb Van's original post does point out that Nintendo has intentionally removed revealed trailers in the past to make way for another, perhaps connected announcement trailer right around the corner. We might, re- we might be replacing our detective hats with one's more of the tinfoil variety, but we could be seeing something similar happening here. After all, rumors of the Switch 2 continue to circulate at a higher and higher density each week. Is the removal of the OG Switch reveal trailer a sign of things to come? So there is precedent here for people to at least consider that maybe them removing it could tie into another potential reveal. I'm definitely more in line and more inclined to believe that it is a problem with licensing rights. I mean, it's why we saw stuff with like Alan Wake when that game got taken down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen stuff like that with old racing games as well, too, and the music that's in there. Uh, you know, the list goes on with things like that. Well, even in racing games, just with uh, components or parts for vehicles, um, some of the parts or some of the manufacturers can't continue a license past a certain point, or there there is a license a licensing agreement, excuse me, um, that only allows them to to put the the game out with those cars on it. So it's easier to just say, "Oh, we're gonna pull it and not not have the game out on the market anymore," than just to recode everything. Yeah, it's very it's very likely that that's probably what this was, and it's not even like. In the game sense, it's devastating when stuff like that gets pulled because mm-hmm. of licensing. But when it comes to a video like this, it's it's whatever. It's a video, you know? Yeah. Uh, there are copies of the video that are out there, like GameSpot has their own copy of the video up still. So if you want to see the original Switch launch trailer, by all means, it's there. Uh, but I don't but know. I guess you got to really uh, be asking yourself, why are you watching the original launch trailer for the Switch? <laughs> I I don't know. I, I don't know why people would be like doing that unless some people have some sort of tracker thing to see, like especially like this. Again, if there is precedent where trailers disappear because or um things will disappear because of impending announcements, then there might be precedent for some sort of tracker tool to actually say, is this video still up? Yes. How long has it been up for? This long. And then, you know, the next day, is this video up? No, the video is no longer up on this channel. And that might lead into other things, too. I mean, it, it's... That's fair. It, it's always part of the rumor and speculation community to track stuff like this. I mean, it's it's not the weirdest thing in the world. But who knows what's going to happen? We don't. We're just right. casually observing this and reporting on it as things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, with that... That is it for the news itself this week because everything's been so light now that the Microsoft Activision Blizzard King stuff is done that we've got uh, 
people out playing Spider-Man 2 and reviewing that still. People are out playing Forza Motorsports. Or we've got people lost in their headset that is the MetaQuest 3. Whether they're playing games in that or they're literally just wearing it to go about their lives doing everything else with that pass-through camera and the AR stuff, which yeah. I, I joked with a coworker saying I'm surprised that he has not driven into work wearing it yet. I saw a video of a guy ordering his coffee at a coffee shop and he was live streaming his interaction with the, the cashier um, as he was buying coffee through his MetaQuest w- headset. Why? I don't know. But he was doing it and I oh have a God. feeling this is going to be a little bit more common thing, unfortunately, because people just can't get over the fact that you can actually see through the headset. But, yeah. It's why Apple's Vision Pro has that additional screen in the front, so that way you can actually see the user's eyes and where they're going to while they're wearing the headset. Yeah. So that's why at least there there's that. But I will make one comment, though, about another silly thing I saw here because someone just didn't get it. The, this person was trying to sign into Discord on their Quest 3, and mm-hmm. they were trying to use the QR code function, and they kept on grabbing their phone and trying to scan the QR code, wondering why it wasn't working. Because the QR code was on the screen inside the headset, and they're using their <laughs> camera on their phone in real life, trying to point at something that's not actually there. That's so funny. Yeah, oh, wow. I saw that one. It's like the guy, I think the guy... When I think I think it was a TikTok I saw. I think it it literally took him twenty seconds to realize what he was doing. Like, oh, I can't sign in like this. Yeah. See, it it, it I don't know. It's funny that Apple put you know the the pass through for the eyes for everyone else to see because I'm the guy that. Granted, they're not on there anymore, but I had giant googly eyes on my uh, PlayStation headset. <laughs> I would do the same. I should do that with my Quest too. Yeah, I really should. As long as it doesn't interfere with any of the other sensors or anything on it. But uh, yeah, no. As long as it's not in, in the way of the sensors. I mean, you order them to the right size. Five bucks makes that a whole heck of a lot more enjoyable for everyone watching you play. <laughs> I like it. All right, I'll remember that. But because of that, that is it for the weekly news roundup for. The week of, what's the date here again? October 21st, 2023. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to the Weekly News Roundup. Of course, if you like what you're listening to, be sure to go subscribe to this podcast on your favorite pod, uh, podcast platform of choice. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube Podcasts, uh, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, wherever you like to listen to that stuff. We are most likely on it, so be sure to go subscribe. But if you're not sure if your platform is supported, or you want to listen in a different way, you can go check us out on our homepage at anchor.fm slash the dash NPCs dash podcast. Same link it's been for the last four years. Go listen to us there. Go find your platform that you'd like to use as well. With all that, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Laters. Laters.